It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Poke the Bear, episode 103. I am Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, how you doing? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And you mentioned uh, last week you were worried when we recorded that some things could change at night. You were a little antsy about it. We might have to re-record. And I don't know if you're feeling that way today, but I can say there's a little part of me that's a little worried about that. A little bit. NHL draft. We're recording this prior to the first round of the NHL draft. We will get into day two prospects at the end of today's show because there's some more pressing needs to get to before then. Um, but there's always the worry. There's always the, the thing that they could move into the first round. There's always that little that little thing that they could do. Doesn't you know? There were reports that they might try to. Um, doesn't feel super likely i just jinxed it didn't i uh, I, I think you just did evan i think i did it was like last week when we re, re when we re-recorded and you said nothing else gonna happen and i and then you immediately said you might have jinxed it even though fortunately you didn't um but anyways maybe they will trade into the first round maybe we won't we've covered that prior we've covered areas and we've covered the guys that could potentially get them first round picks um again I would imagine if they did move into the first round, if they did, it would not be like a top 15 pick. It would be somewhere in the lower ranks of the first round. So when it comes to that, you know, again, that's just whoever's best available at that point, typically. So uh, anyways, let's get into the stuff with the current Bruins roster. Um, Patrice Bergeron reportedly likely back. And the real tone that has been set over the past week is David Krejci. Now, obviously he is not back. But there's been quite a lot of chatter from the team. Don Sweeney speaking about it uh, on Wednesday. You also have a lot of people kind of speculating about Krejci. And just the fact that those two names, Bergeron and Krejci, are being linked back to the team feels like they're going to try to run it back again. Yeah, it seems like the likely scenario for this team. And, and I, I think for weeks now, we've debated what's the best course moving forward for this team, whether it's a full-blown rebuild whether it's an aggressive retool, whether it's running it back. I think we both agree that probably the best course long-term is either rebuilding or at least really uprooting a lot of that supporting cast, maybe keeping a few more guys along that you can build as kind of that core for the future, but really get kind of creative in terms of how you're able to free up cap space. doesn't seem like that's going to be the scenario. Uh, And again, granted, when you look at this team and you look at 
the allure or the temptation of, all right, if Patrice Burroughs runs back and he's still playing at a high level, which he is, I can't see them just being like, thanks, but no thanks. We're all set. Like, we're going to go into the year with no set plan down the middle, which is, again, of their own doing. But uh, you kind of look at the way things are, are mapped out for this team right now. And, uh, you know, Cam Neely spoke about it on Wednesday. I actually have a quote that he said when uh, either Matt Porter or Jimmy Murphy mentioned, the, uh, you know, the fact that during his end of season press conference, Neely, you know, talked about the fact that a rebuild could be on on the table for this team when you looked at kind of just how uncertain their roster was. And this is what Neely said, uh, quote, if you look at some of our players, it's hard to say we're just going to tear this down right now with the past knocks. We just signed Lindholm to eight years. We've got Charlie locked up for another eight years. Carlo, Olmark, Swayman. We've got guys we feel we can build around right now and still hopefully keep this train rolling and give us a chance to compete to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's the ultimate goal here. So that's pretty cut and dry, right? I, I <laughs> you know, you look at this team and um, again, you if you want to focus on that core for the future, he is right that you're starting off better than a team like Detroit maybe, or something like Buffalo. that, or yeah, or Buffalo, especially where you've got at least five or six guys you can build towards uh, for the future. I mean, who knows? Swayman could be a, a top five goalie in another year or two. He possibly possibly McAvoy's McAvoy. You know, what Lindholm brings. Um, and if you hit on a guy like Lysel or Lori in the next year or so, you've got something there. It's just whether or not, it's necessarily enough to move the needle when you look at the rest of the kind of uh, depth on this team and how much they're giving you and stuff like that. It's all right. You, you've got something to build off of, but are you in that tier with uh, a team like Colorado or, or Tampa Bay or something like that? And I think that's something where we talked about this team in, in the postseason and how if they just got past Carolina. They probably could go pretty far, but and then I, I think you then watch that Stanley cup final and just the clinic that Colorado put on. I think that Ooh. was kind of a, a moment for Bruins fans <laughs> where they're like, Jesus, like that, that team plays a completely different brand of hockey than what the Bruins were. So I think probably that's the thing that I think probably is concerning for most Bruins fans, not just the fact that it doesn't seem like there's a, five six year plan but the fact that all right if you are going to run it back you need a lot of things to go in your favor to really be putting yourself in that top tier of contenders this year oh a ton and i, I we'll get into it later in this episode but there are not a lot of things going in their favor off the jump looking into uh next season the other thing is you mentioned the core and we've talked about this a lot you know you got as you said mcavoy you know potentially posternock obviously swayman lindholm you know you can go down the list carlo taylor hall you have marshand obviously you know what you don't have in any of that? What's that, Evan? A center. And that's what's oh, funny oh, is, yeah. is if they had a center anywhere in that crew, you would say, okay, they got something to build off of here. They got something real tangible. All they need in there is a center, and they do not have one. And again, as you said, it's their own doing. They have not developed at all down the middle over the past bunch of years. And you could attribute that to Stadnika not panning out, drafting Beecher, Frederick, like, you know, again – it is their own doing. So um, I do think though, it is encouraging to have that core there that's already there in the sense that, yeah, you probably don't have to rebuild. Cause again, let's say you don't have any of that core. Let's say you're just an aging team and all you've got is David Pasternak. And in that sense, you probably would have to trade David Pasternak for a bunch of first round picks, prospects, all that kind of thing, but you have a core there. So that kind of prevents you from having to deal Pasternak instead you got to find a way to retool. And I think we, that's kind of the preferred method where it's like, you got to find guys that you can deal off 
whether it's second, third, first round picks, find a way to get them. You know, we've mentioned like Taylor Hall and we've mentioned, you know, obviously like Craig Smith and Jake DeBrusque, who we'll get to in a second. Um, and then you got to hit on those picks. You got to actually pick good players. And, you know, again, that's e- way easier said than done, but that's something that this team has struggled with over the past bunch of years. And moving on, uh, as we I just mentioned, Jake DeBrusque rescinds the trade request, which we kind of expected in a sense. Uh, doing, the, doing the Brian Windhorst. Uh, <laughs> the Brian Windhorst. Oh, what <laughs> what's that? going on here? Can you believe this? Um, no one was really surprised at this. I don't think it was Cassidy alone leaving. I don't think that was the only thing. By the way, in my tweet with the Windhorst thing, I was not reporting anything there. That, I, I think I'm hoping that no one thought that I was reporting through a Brian Windhorst meme. That would be a hell of a way to report something. Um, why is that, Evan? Why is that? Why How is would that, that be? Hmm. Hmm. The best part of that Windhorse clip is just he has the the other panelists at first take just like, what what, what are you trying to say? What are you it, trying to say? It's an incredible video. I don't care if you're not invested in the NBA or basketball in terms of just pure sports content. Thank you, Brian Windhorse, for that, because it was yes. marvelous. Perfect. It was perfection. And it gave us a great meme we can use forever. Um, but yes, I don't think it was just Cassidy leaving. I think there were other factors at play. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it definitely was a factor. I, oh, I think it's hundred uh, yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think there's any debate there. Um, but it's definitely somewhere I think you also look at DeBrusque and it's something that I think even Sweeney alluded to uh, during, I think it was his end of season press conference in May where from DeBrusque situation, sometimes you take a look and maybe the grass isn't always greener on, you know, looking at another team and, I think for DeBrus, there was already enough buy-in um, and give credit where it's due for him as a player, at least during those final months of the season. He very well, after the trade request, after the trade request wasn't granted, could have just skulked around and not done anything, right? Like it could have been what we saw for extended stretches uh, over the past couple of years and made the most of a, a great situation that was handed to him. Again, a lot of guys would kill to have uh, regular minutes next to Berger and Marchand, but he made the most of it in that situation. So I think for... DeBrusque. It wasn't just the fact that, you know, there's that friction with, with Cassidy and those things, but I think for him, probably a lot of what was the writing on the wall for him was probably the Taylor Hall trade where he probably looked at that and be like, all right, well, I'm not supplanting Hall. I'm not supplanting Marchand. Am I just going to be a third line guy now? Cause that's where I don't want to be. Um, especially you I mean, you look at that previous year too, he spent time on the third line on the right side too. Like he even had like Nick Ritchie in front of him on the depth chart. So uh, I look at this situation now where if you can keep him in that top six spot, whether it's on the top line for the first few months when Marchand's out, or then you switch him over to the right side. And like Montgomery wants to keep Marchand, Bergeron and DeBrusque and then Hall, Pasternak and Krejci, whoever, pretty good top six. And one, you're going to get a lot of production from both those lines and you're going to have a very happy Jake DeBrusque because I think if he plays a full season with those two guys, you're probably getting 25, 30 goals. So right now it seems like it's more or less a win-win. I know there's Bruins fans who are probably upset that, you know, a lot of the comments I've seen on my stories or the general reaction is some people are happy. Some people are like, oh, he got his way. Like, I don't even want him on the team. Got to take the long look here. You've got a guy who can give you 25, 30 goals even. Uh, is one of the few guys that has, even though he's inconsistent, has had a knack for giving you even strength offense, something that this team does not usually have. And he signed for $4 million a year. So uh, I, I think you look at this team, and if this is a team that is looking to build 
or at least run it back next year, you need a guy like DeBrusque. That's why even when we talked about trading back into the first round, yeah, DeBrusque is an obvious fit there. But if you're looking at this Bruins team and what they need, I don't think you're moving a guy like DeBrusque for what he can give you now that he's bought in for a guy for a pick that gets you what the 21st overall pick or something like that. Like, I don't yeah. think that really moves the needle, especially. So again, I don't think it was just falls on Cassidy. I think for DeBrusque, it's kind of realizing that he's fallen into a pretty good situation here if he's guaranteed those top six minutes. So um, I think both him and the team really can't be upset with how things have played out now, especially DeBrusque. Like if you keep him with Bergeron and Martian for another year or two, who knows how long Bergeron is going to play or if he's back, but if he stays there and gives you 25, 30 goals, He's going to get paid again when he's 27 hits unrestricted free agency. Yes. Also, the other thing is if Fabian Lysel comes up and is terrific and, you know, takes over for him on that first line with Bergeron and Marchand or whoever's centering uh, Marchand, then you could trade him then. Like then he's a, he's a guy that can get you an asset that you need. Right. Or if you're, if you're doing bad or you need to sell, you can deal him as well. So like, I think keeping him is the right move right now. You know, obviously the one big thing that I, as you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm seeing on Twitter and seeing in different comment sections, it's like the team chose DeBrusque over Cassidy. And, and I don't think it was just that. I think, I, I don't think they just, I don't think like Sweeney sat down and said, huh, Jake DeBrusque or Bruce Cassidy, <laughs> Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. I don't think that's how that went. I think it was more so it spoke to a, a higher thing where, and you, and you know, Cam Neely talked about this, on Wednesday where he said something like, you know, I, I wouldn't speak to my children the same way that my dad spoke to me in a sense, infer, inferring that, uh, you know, Cassidy spoke to players in an outdated fashion, which is obviously Montgomery, uh, you know, is known for speaking a little bit better in those terms. So interesting stuff. Speaking of young wingers, maybe this one has a little more upside, but David Posternock, David Posternock is entering the final year of his deal needs a little bit of an extension and by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit of an extension. Um, JP Barry, his agent, is in Montreal this week. I believe he is there also negotiating Philip Forsberg's uh, deal, which seems to be headed-ish in the right direction, but they're kind of off, right? It's like 8.5, 8 million. It's like somewhere in that Which at that range. point, just give him 8.5. Like. Yeah, why, what's the, why, why are you holding up $500,000? Um, but anyways, uh, there, Sweeney is set to meet with, Barry uh, in Montreal. And, you know, right now we're kind of wondering, A, you know, how far apart are they going to be? The Bruins typically don't lowball guys horribly, if memory serves. Like, they sign guys to hometown discounts. But I've, I feel like, and maybe I'm forgetting someone here, YouTube commenters are going crazy, but, but it never feels like they enter into a deal and then it's way off from what, you know, the other side had. Yeah, no, I think it, it's something where obviously they've done a great job over the last few years, especially of getting guys to take hometown discounts. But I don't think it's anything that's like egregious where it's like the first offer is so bad that the guys are like, I want to talk to you. It's not like the Red Sox. Aaron Judge, like, Aaron Judge and the Yankees. Yeah, or like the Red Sox with like John Lester, where it's like, we can offer yes. you $17 and uh, three months supply of Cracker Jacks. And he's like, I'm yeah. not talking to you guys for the rest of the year. Like, I don't think it's ever like gift that. Card. You get a gift card to game on. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I think for Pasternak, yeah, it's something where, listen, he's going to get paid, um, but I could see him signing for if he if he wants to be back. Obviously, they want to get him on an eight year deal, which they can offer him as a team that holds onto him right now. But nine, nine and a half, maybe. Like I, I think if you get somewhere between eight and a half and nine and a half, if you're a Bruins fan, you should be thrilled because. 
I think if he hits unrestricted free agency in 2023, you're looking at 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half, especially Panera, if he has another Panarin's strong at what? Year. Panarin's at what? 12? 11, 11.5, something it's like, like 11.7. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know how any team that one looks at Pasternak and his baseline production, which is great. And also the fact that he's a very marketable guy. Like there's a lot of appeal of getting a guy like David Pasternak and adding him to your team. So I think he's going to get, um, a ton of money if he hits free agency, if he gets to, you know, UFA status, it's going to get paid by the Bruins as well. Like, I don't think there's any hesitancy in them in terms of not wanting to keep him or like, well, we'll keep you, but it's got to be at seven and a half, eight. Like, I think they're more than willing to pony up the money because they view him as a piece of that core moving forward. And it's a guy that I think likes playing in this market, um, enjoys. Uh, one thing I think they're impressed with too, is that even though he's, this, you know, guy that's this fun loving kind of charismatic goal scoring guy. He also, I think has uh, really enjoyed the fact that he's kind of stepped up as being more of a leader and has embraced that role. Uh, and again, when you're a young player in a locker room with guys like Bergeron and Chara, I think that kind of just rubs off on you, but um, he's a guy that I think has a lot of buy-in of wanting to be here. So for the Bruins, it, it's something where it's, I don't know if you necessarily need him to, you know, sign on the dotted line this summer, but you have to get that groundwork in place of at least setting the foundation for a new deal. You can't go into next year and being like, well, we'll table it into June, 2023. Cause at that point, then you're going to make some decisions. So I don't know if there's necessarily a, a high deadline for them where it's, you know, a, a lot of talk. I know the last few weeks has been, well, they got to sign him before the draft, because if not, they got to trade him. Like, I don't think that's going to happen unless something, and if it is something has gone, catastrophically wrong where <laughs> like yeah something's gone very very wrong so um but yeah it, it's going to be important for this team to at least start those conversations now and you know get test out to see what pot feeling like because again i don't think even if you look at the kind of the next few years of this team and it's a little murky or it could be a few lean years ahead if you can pitch him on being part of this core moving forward and you still have mcavoy and lindholm and swayman and these guys you should be able to keep him on board for a while, but you have to get a feel for the player and see if he's all, you know, has that same sentiment. Cause if not, and he's like, Oh, well, could get a lot of money in free agency. Then you have to, as an organization, take a long look at it because you want him here for the future. But if he's moving on, tough decisions got to be made. Got to move him. No, you got to move him. If he doesn't want to stay. I like, I, I don't think that's, I don't know why that's controversial to people. Like, if he doesn't want to stay or they're far apart in, like, let's say Poshnok walks in and says, I want 13 or something bananas like that, which I don't think will happen. But if it did, like, if you're that far apart, you do have to move on. Like, you do have to deal him. You cannot just let a generational talent like David Poshnok walk. That doesn't doesn't ever happen anymore, but you really can't let that happen now. Um, Safe bet that that doesn't all happen. Safe bet that doesn't happen. Uh, But we're talking really safe bets. Talking about a good friends over at online there you are evan listen up guys our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your bet needs and sports info Both basketball and hockey might be in the midst of their off seasons but over at bet online you can still find all the latest odds news and sports developments the latest fighting news and even next season's nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more it's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. Bet online, 
where the game stats. Stats. Where the game stats. Um, one last thing on Pasternak that I do want to hit on. Should people be worried if a deal is not done this summer and is not done at the end of training camp? Like if we're entering this upcoming season and there is no deal done, I do think that should set off a couple of alarms. Not all the alarms, but I think if they head into game one against uh, Washington and they don't have a deal done with Pasternak, I look at that and go, that's not great. They've had a long time to figure this out. At the very least, you know, it's going to be, it's going to make for a whole lot of easy content for us because we're going to yes. be talking about it from September <laughs> on to probably what you're looking at then is you add this extra narrative of if this team is scuffling or they're kind of treading water around the time of the trade deadline, that's when the conversation becomes real, right? That's when we revisit it again, I think is what would happen. I don't know if it's, they've got a deadline that he doesn't sign uh, at the very end of camp, then they're going to move them then, but then it becomes an actual issue where it's all right. We've got to see how this team is going. They're probably going to struggle out of the gate. If Pasternak's not happy with the way they're trending, you know, again, it's one of those things where a lot can go sideways when you, once the regular season starts. So if you're the Bruins and you want to keep Pasternak, it'd be great if you sign him before these uh, 82 games start rolling in. Every game story that did every game story in a game that Pasternak scored, you know, a goal assist, you know, he had more than two points or something like that. The story would either be like, here's why the Bruins should keep Pasternak or here's why, you know, Pasternak raised his trade value again. So hopefully we don't get to that point. Uh, The content though, I guess technically for us would be very easy, but for the fans, not as, not as fun. Um, You briefly touched on it and what you just said. Uh, the Bruins do not have an easy stretch to open the season. Not very easy. So obviously we mentioned you're going to be missing guys. Marshan, McAvoy, uh, Grizzly could miss a little bit of the start of the season. You should have Mike Riley by the start uh, of the season, but you'll be missing 63 and, and 73. So not great. Uh, aside from October, Ty Anderson tweeted out a crazy stretch from November 21st through December 11th. Uh, At Tampa, at Florida, versus Carolina, versus Tampa, (laughs) versus Colorado, versus Vegas. Let's just stop there for a second, right? That's just, that's not even the full thing. But that's, you know, team in the cup, president's trophy, team that beat you in the first round, team in the cup, team who won the cup, team who is really good with your former coach. And then you go out, and then you go out west at Colorado, at Arizona, at Vegas. And that is a wild stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. And you, they better hope and pray that Marsha and McAvoy are back for that because that is, if you can come out of that with like <laughs> six points, <laughs> you're, you're in good shape. No, but for real, I mean, that is a brutal brutal stretch they got yeah yeah that it's gonna be tough and that's something where even if mcavoy and martian are both back around that time which it's supposed to be around that thanksgiving kind of window uh you're probably still looking at guys who are shaking the rust off right you got martian who's going to be trying to get back up to speed after having surgery on both his hips playing i know both his hips (laughs) yeah on both of his playing that kind of competition teams that one can bury you in a hurry in the, in their, uh, in the offensive zone, but also have a lot of big bodies can move, uh, a lot of great skaters. It's going to, uh, put a toll on a guy who's just trying to get up to speed. And the same with McAvoy with his, uh, his shoulder injury. So 
it's going to be tough, man. It's one of those things where you look at the schedule and I think people were already expecting them to be treading water through the first few months of the season. But it's one thing where if maybe by the time McAvoy and Marshan get back and, and they're back up to speed, you're, I don't know, like, let's just say as a record, like 18 and 15 or something like that, where you're four or five games over 500, you're in the mix. Maybe you're not in the wildcat spot, but you're right on, on the trend water. Exactly. But what if you're like 11 and 17 or something <laughs> like that? Like, uh, which you look at this schedule, even if McAvoy and Marshan are back, like if you get half of the points out of that nine game stretch, you'd be probably doing backflips. Like, oh yeah, you could be going into you could be going into uh, right around the the Christmas break. Quite a few games under five hundred, and again, you could make the argument. And something I'm sure we're going to hear from the Bruins in terms of, well, you know, McAvoy, Marsh, and Beck. That's like our own kind of deadline pickups. Great players, but where are you going to be starting from? Like again, if you're around five hundred, yes, you could absolutely go on a uh, a second half run there. It seems like the Bruins do it every single year where they get hot in. February and March and April and kind of get rolling to the playoffs. But where are you going to be starting from? That's going to be the issue because you better be hoping that either Swayman and Olmark are locked in at the start or Pasternak and Hall and some of these other guys are leading the way because um, it's going to be tough. There's going to be some rough stretches, I think, especially in October, November uh, and early December, where we're going to have quite a few podcasts of us just being like, uh, we'll see what happens. I really don't know how to grade this team right now. They're missing arguably the best all around left wing in the game. And what I think we'd easily say is a top three defenseman in the league. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, it is brutal. I also think it goes to show you, and this is just another reminder of how far the Bruins are away from contending for a cup away from, and again, I, I, I separate contending for a playoff spot from contending for a cup. Lots of teams make the playoffs. Did the Capitals have a sniff at the cup this year? No. Like there are so many teams like that, that, you know, they just, they get in like the predators when they got in this year and had to face the abs. Like that was, that's stupid. Like, yeah, you get playoff gate tickets, but like what, at what cost yeah. you, know, you could, at the, you know, you could have dealt Ekholm and Forsberg in the past bunch of years, but you look at like this stretch, you know, are they close to Tampa? No, Florida, no, Carolina, really not at all. Um, Colorado, no Vegas, even no, uh, again, Vegas has to figure out their net situation. So that's a whole kind of different can of worms, but still that roster should be a lot better than it has been. And Oh, by the way, they have Bruce Cassidy coaching the team. So you can probably expect they're going to at least be in the playoff picture. Um, and then Arizona's Arizona, whatever. They'll be at ASU. Maybe we'll go out there and pretend we're in college again, just, just for that. Um, but yeah, rough, rough, rough ass schedule, um, especially in that stretch. And by the way, every team goes through that, but for them to have that come at such a dire time with their roster, eh, not great for them. Not too great. Um, anyways, yes. Uh, anyways. Uh, well, the Bruins don't have a first round pick. At least as of we, as of recording this, they don't have a first round pick. Um, they do have multiple day two picks in the second through seventh round. Um, day two prospects. Obviously, everybody looks at centers. You got like Jack Hughes and Northeastern. That's the big one that everybody loves. You wrote about him saying that, you know, he checks all the boxes. He's he's a local kid, plays for Hockey East. Like, you know that if they drafted Jack Hughes, all the, like a lot of Bruins fans just be like, oh, another freaking local kid that we got to hear about. Um, but he's good. 
He's very good. He had a great season at Northeastern, uh, or like an okay season at Northeastern. Not yeah. incredible. Uh, the name helps him. The Jack Hughes recognition certainly yes. uh, helps him. Bruins Devils uh, would then have a an extra meaning to it. Um, the cool thing about Jack Hughes, by the way, the the Northeastern Jack Hughes is his dad he is Patrice Bergeron's former agent and current uh, GM of the Canadians. So a little father versus son rivalry. If he goes to the Bruins, oh, how are they going to have Thanksgiving dinner together if they're, you know, such bitter rivals? Um, but who are you looking at prospect-wise for day two? Yeah, I, I think when you look, especially in that second round, uh, it's a pretty fortunate draft in terms of the, the prospect pool for the Bruins because it seems like there's a whole bunch of uh, intriguing center prospects. A lot of guys from the OHL especially, which years past probably like, shit because the Bruins never get guys from the juniors but uh they changed that last year obviously and they got guys like uh Harrison mm-hmm. Ryan Mass two guys who what do you know looked pretty good last year <laughs> like look what they <laughs> actually, <how> that works <laughs> yeah you probably keep on drafting guys in the uh Canadian Junior League so yeah Hughes is a guy that I uh, would make a lot of sense for this team when you look at just the how many boxes he kind of checks off he's a guy that his ceiling you look at him maybe as uh, a two-way like guy that could be like a 50 point guy maybe if it all works out which maybe doesn't you know wow Bruins fans they don't want another safe you know two-way kind of center uh, prospect there but uh you got a guy like Cameron Lund who what do you know another guy who's a uh, uh, Massachusetts native he's from Bridgewater um I think he's going to Northeastern I want to say um He's another uh, a center who's got a little bit more of a higher offensive ceiling who might go a little bit before. He's a guy that could fall a little bit, and I think the Bruins would be very interested there. Um, one guy who I'm intrigued by, is uh, his name is Danny Zilkin, I think is how you uh, say it. He's a Canadian-Russian uh, kid who played uh, with a storm in OHL last year. Look at his highlight reel. Everything I think if you're a Bruins fan, you get hyped about. He's the kind of prospect where like they they draft him and then you treat like a video of him dangling through five people, like this kid's gonna be pretty good. And you get like <laughs> a ton of engagement. It's like when Lysel got drafted and you watch like four yes. highlights, you're like Bruins fans like, Yeah, this kid's gonna be <laughs> that, that's what uh Zilkin is as a prospect. Uh, great hands, great offensive instincts. Um numbers are pretty good. 23 goals, 32 assists, and 66 games. I think the concern for him was the lack of maybe finishing in terms of you looked at his skill and how it translated, um, maybe they want a little bit more, but again, young player, if he spends another year in the OHL, wouldn't be surprised if his numbers jump up there. So if you're looking for a center prospect and you're looking for more skill in the lineup, which I think the Bruins benefited from last year by getting a guy like Lysel, I think Zilkin's definitely a guy you want to look at, but whether it's him, you've got uh, Matthias Sabavaliv, I think is how you say his name. He's another center who kind of reminds me of Krejci, guy that gets knocked for his skating, um, but great playmaking and things, controls kind of the pace of play. Really does remind you of Krejci in terms of just his strengths and weaknesses and how he can kind of exploit that. So there'll be no shortage, I think, of centers available for them, but you also have some uh, wingers that could be available around that time as well. So there's a guy, Rieger Lorenz, who – uh lit up the AJHL, which is the league that Kil McCarr obviously played for. So not, oh, yes. not necessarily as well known as some of these other uh, leagues out there, but uh, pretty physical winger, uh, 38 goals, 47 assists in 60 games, going to the University of Denver. So got that Montgomery connection, maybe, slightly. You can get some inside intel there. But um, whether it's a guy like Lorenz, uh, there's a Finnish kid, Yanni Nyman, who's, I think, 6'3", 210 pounds already at 18 years old. So – 
I think when you look at the two areas of need, obviously centers far and away the top, but uh, if they can also, if there's a guy that falls in their lap, that's another, a winger that maybe is a little bit different from a Lysel where it's a bit of a bigger body, more physical, something like that. Uh, there could be guys around that, you know, pick 54 that, that could fall into their lap as well. So uh, again, not a first round pick. You're, you'd still obviously like to have someone in that class of prospect to add to this pool, but they walk away with a guy like Zilkin, especially, I think they'd be more than happy with that. Yeah. Again, never a bad idea to come away with like the best available. Uh, okay, that was the thing that they were knocked at for so many years was they didn't do that. You know, um, it's going to be fun when they don't draft a single center in the draft. Of course. That'll be, uh, yeah. that'll be great. Yeah. You know, no, no, no center. They'll come it's away like oh, a goalie. Yeah. We got a goalie. We got this really good uh, two-way winger. He's great in his own zone. You know, great on the penalty kill. It fits right in with what we want. That'll be terrific. That'll be so much fun. But anyways, uh, Connor, that is uh, today's episode of Poke the Bear. Uh, what can the people look forward to from you over at uh, BSJ? Yeah, we're going to have you covered throughout the draft in terms of who the Bruins take, whether they have any other moves up their sleeve, any trades uh, right around the corner. It's going to be a very busy week next week. So whether it's development camp, whether it's a side of free agency, which we'll see what the Bruins can even kind of do with their cap situation. Um, you got Jim Montgomery is going to be get introduced at some point next week. What's happening. So we're going to have you covered every step of the way over at BSJ. So please subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. I'm Evan Marinovsky. It's Connor Ryan for Poke the Bear. You listeners have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.